Welcome back to another episode of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. No Tyler this week for the first time in podcast history. Alex, what's going on? Hey, hey, what's up? What's up? All right, so this week we're going to break down the wild card weekend playoffs, um, get into some Steelers talk, talk a little bit to Sean Watson, and three guys that we do not look forward to breaking down in the offseason. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, it's the wire. It's the wire. D. Griffin. Griffin. This the wire. Serving up a hot take. Around the league, serving gems like a hot plate. Who's the flex? First pick. Rounds four to eight. Trading with the base. That's Superman. We need a cape. This that fantasy. See who get the glory. Who's gonna stay up in their lane talking Tory? Who's gonna ride up on the train with a hype at? Yeah, you wanna start them, but matches you might not like that. Three tutties next week. Many's double covered. Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Todd, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. I cannot wait to talk about three guys that I don't wanna deal with in the offseason. I can't wait to the end of the episode. I've got three guys that they're pretty well known. I would say a lot of people have them, or at least one of them pretty high on their draft list that I just don't want to touch, and I can't wait to get there. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, but I like the cliffhanger you're leaving, and now they have to listen to about 15 minutes of us talking about the playoffs. They can skip. Yeah, I mean, if you want to (laughs) skip ahead and find out. But I like the little tease in the beginning of the episode. Mm. Marketing um, genius. We're space brains. <laughs> so, elephant in the room, the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think? Uh, I was going to make a bad dog joke because you said elephant. I figured if we're going to go animals, we could go dog. But, no, it's really heartbreaking for the Steelers. Um, to just They almost feel like the Atlanta Braves of the NFL where – they just always have these really talented teams and they just keep going to the playoffs and have such high hopes and having, you know, they're 11 and 0 and they're going to be Super Bowl bound and they have the best defense in football. And then, and then you lose to the Browns without a head coach. And their best offensive lineman. And yeah, they didn't have their offensive coordinator and their their two starting corners. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it wasn't good by any stretch and just started out really bad. And, and they had some momentum there in the third and going into the fourth. But how do you not go for it on fourth and one at the 40, right? Like, how do you how do you make that decision to punt the ball away after your team has given up at that point 35 points? You're down 12 points, which, by the way, they should have went for two to make it 11. But whatever. And but. You know, I, I just don't understand how Mike Tomlin chooses to go to punt there when he's had a history of following analytics and going for two and basically removing the kicker out of every single game. I don't get that decision from him. And, and I think that's going to cost him and maybe not his job, but he could be on the hot seat next year for that decision. I don't think so. The Steelers have a long, long, long history of, sticking with their coach no matter what. I mean, 
if it was up to the fans, Tomlin was on a hot seat a couple of years ago and it, you know, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden they were really good. And he was, you know, pretty much the coach of the year last year with duck Hodges starting games for him. And, you know, it's, it's my thing is, was that first play of the game? Would you compare that to when Cam Newton didn't try to pick up the fumble in the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It's a lame, no it attempt a, to even bend yeah. over and pick up the ball. Yeah, and like I looked at it, I watched it a few times this morning, and it doesn't look like James Conner wants to fall on it, but Ben has been around football for like 400 years. He knows that fumbles are hard to recover. Get in there and get the ball, man. Like He didn't even no. bend over. He, like, he didn't. I think he like barely bent, bent his neck to look down for the football. That's about all the mobility he probably has left, though. Just his neck. Just looking down is the mobility he has left. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, and everybody other than Pittsburgh Steelers fans thought that they were a little bit lucky with the way their schedule ran the first couple, first half of the season. But I mean, I've never seen a team go five wide more than the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. They have to when the running backs can't do anything. I mean, it- the only way that they were going to win this game was through James Conner. And who actually didn't look bad when he actually got the ball. He, he actually the looked first, halfway decent after the fumble, the, the two drives after that on first and second down, he gets five, gets four, and then it's third and one. And then they did the fullback dive. Yeah. He gets five, he gets four, and then the fullback dive. So, I mean, granted, it looked like a high school game where they only knew three plays, but he really did look good. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the ending numbers or whatever, but the, the ending numbers didn't look great, but you know, five catches. Yeah. You, I just don't know if he's back there next year, but can't be. He won't let, be. We're not, let's let's finish through the playoffs really quick and yeah, then we'll yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. um, you know, we all knew the Bears were going to lose to the Saints. They didn't really have a shot with a healthy Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, one thing to note about that game is the defense. I mean, the score said, what was it, 28-9, to nine, right? 21-9. 21-9. The Bears' defense did their job. Like, the whole time, other than, like, a few drives, the Bears' defense looked great and was stopping Drew Brees, and Alvin Kamara did nothing until the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, the only person that was doing anything was Michael Thomas, and that was kind of projected. The Bears' corners have been have kind of fallen off. They did their job at, at the end of the day. I think the Bears' defense did a strong enough job to win that game. But Matt Nagy, he, he I don't know how he continue how he can continue to blame Mitch when he's the offensive guru that was brought in to score more than three points. It's ridiculous. Like I can't continue to blame Mitchell Trubisky, who does suck. Like a, whatever he is, what he is. If Wims catches that ball, we probably have a you know at least a, have a very different score, I think. But I just don't get how you could think Matt Nagy is the answer when he can't score more than three points in a playoff game with mostly healthy pieces. I, I don't get that. Yeah, and I didn't see the Anthony Miller play. Did he punch somebody? Why did he yeah. get a jack? Yeah, he. I think they, um, they didn't show oh, it on Nickelodeon. Yeah, um, Gardner Johnson, the dude that everyone keeps fighting. Um, from the Bears? No, from the Saints. Yeah, um, I know, the Bears. It's, so Wims yeah. punched them like eight weeks ago. Yeah, so he must, there must have been some kind of carryover, but like 
Chauncey, I don't remember his last name really. Chauncey but, Johnson. Yeah, that's him. He like went up behind Miller and I think he spooked him a little bit. He got a little scared. Um, and and Miller just turned around and, and punched him right in the head and just walked away. It was weird. It was like the it escalated so quickly and then de-escalated just as fast. It was it was kind of wild. It's the same thing. So when he got punched in the face by Wims in the in the regular season, he got punched twice before he even put his hands up, and he didn't. Put his <laughs> hands up. If if Janoris Jenkins wasn't there to to jump on the back of Wims, I mean, he might still be getting punched in the face. <laughs> it's been eight weeks, but yeah, I mean, I really I miss Wims. Sorry, go ahead. I agree with your take, to, and I also want to add, Mitchell Trubisky is not the answer in Chicago. He's a good candidate to potentially become a average starting NFL quarterback somewhere else with a better opportunity. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill really wrote the book on what Mitchell Trubisky could be. Yeah, and I mean, Mariota looked good in the, in the, in the game that he went to Oakland. He has a career in the NFL. He has the athleticism to come in. And, and do certain things. There's going to be some openings this year. A lot of those, if you look at the top end of the draft, there's going to be a lot of teams that have their franchise quarterback right now that are going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all if Atlanta took a quarterback or Pittsburgh took a quarterback, New Orleans. New England. No, no, well, I'm just talking about teams that have established starting NFL quarterbacks. Oh, right, right. Yep, yep. You know, so – he might end up somewhere and get a role like a, a Tannehill did in Tennessee or Mariota did in Oakland. I'm sorry, Las Vegas. And it's very interesting, but I know they probably don't have the cap for it, but let me ask you a question. Would you rather have as your backup quarterback, would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky or Taysom Hill? Mitchell Trubisky. I don't, I don't know. Like, New Orleans, if you're talking about New Orleans, yeah, I, I read I something yep. yesterday and I, I can't, I didn't have time to fact check it today. They're projected, they might have a hard time filling out a 52 man roster because of the way that their cap is situated. Taysom Hill. No, it's not just Taysom Hill. If, if Drew Brees retires, he might be on, I think they're on the hook for like $40 million of a dead cap hit for him from pushing God. money back and Michael Thomas. And Alvin Kamara's contracts and Janoris Jenkins. I, I genuinely don't think Michael Thomas will be a Saint next year. But really even if they that. trade some of their better players, they're still going to be over the. I think they're already going to be over the cap. Yeah. Yeah. No, the- they're definitely not going to bring in Trubisky. I was just curious. No, I know. I'm just if you're taking an NFL franchise and choosing between the two, I'm picking Trubisky. It's yeah, Taysom Hill. I if- lean Trubisky too, but it's not by that much. Well, Taysom Hill's going to be 31, and he right. That's the difference. I know he looked good, but it was two games against Atlanta. Yeah, but he still went what? He went three and one, and he yeah he played really well. Defense, arguably the best defense in football, the best off one of the better offensive so, minds is a coach. The 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 number one running back on the season, and yeah, but had Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. I mean, hold on now. How I'm many quarters, if you put Mitchell Trubisky on that team? They, do they go three and one? Probably. Well, I'm going to throw something at you. I'm going to throw it right back. The Bears were a top-ranked defense. He had Allen Robinson. He had David Montgomery, who finished, David by Montgomery the way. David Montgomery to Alvin Kamara. Hold on. He finishes the running back four, as you like to bring up. So, I mean, 
you're talking about Kamara running back one. Well, guess what? Montgomery finished four. Oh, and by the way, offensive-minded guru Matt Nagy, like that's why they brought him in. Versus Matt Nagy. No, I know, I know. But hey, look, the the comparables are all there. Right right there. It's like it's like the the sugar-free version. The Bears are the sugar-free version of the Saints. They're like gluten-free, sugar-free, <laughs> like. Hey man, some gluten-free thing is really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. I don't want to ever put the Bears <laughs> in the same conversation. That's a um, really bad take. If like, I would get blasted on Twitter if if the wrong yeah. person heard that. Because yeah. gluten-free, really, whatever. We're we're gonna move past it. But yeah, whatever gluten is, it tastes phenomenal. I got to admit, gluten <laughs> gluten is good. But there are some gluten-free things that are just better. I like gluten-free pasta more than I like regular pasta. I don't think I've ever had gluten-free pasta. It, it's very similar. There's a little bit of a taste difference, but it's lighter. So you don't feel like as heavy or like as like just kind of like a waste of life when you're done eating pasta. Yeah. Um, the Ravens and Titans. <laughs> the, Lamar Jackson looked pretty good. He had his revenge game. Derrick Henry was in a vacuum all night. Yep. And, and the Ravens defense, where they, you know, their, their front seven is all first round draft picks. So, I mean, well, that's the it. thing is they literally spent the entire offseason making sure that Derrick Henry yeah. doesn't run all over them. They I saw your tweet Campbell. and you were 100% right. They added Clayus Campbell, who's arguably one of the best run defending defensive ends in the NFL who doesn't come off the field on passing downs because he's still a good pass rusher. And then you add a Patrick queen. They added another linebacker. You have Matthew I love Davis. Patrick queen, by the you way, Williams think- in the middle. I mean, they have a phenomenal front seven and even better corners. They literally spend the entire offseason making, they don't care about Kansas city. They don't care about Pittsburgh. They don't care about anybody. They want, they built their team to beat the Titans. That didn't that I was saying this yesterday. Didn't that feel like their Super Bowl? That felt like their Super Bowl, didn't it? That's, that's they, all they. That's why they. That's why they did the stomp on the Titan. Yeah. This is all they cared about. They were excited to play against Tennessee, and now they're gonna get their ass kicked. I I think they're playing the Bills. It, I don't even care who they, they could be playing the Browns next this next week, and they will probably still lose because they had their emotional high already. Yep. Um, I was a little disappointed with Tannehill and the way he performed. I hope he doesn't carry that over into next season because he's been really fantasy great for the past two years. Tannehill looked pretty average. It almost looked like he put on an aqua and orange uniform again. Um, and, and it had Gase running call, uh, play calls for him. Um, but no, he, he looked pretty pedestrian. And I don't want to talk about the Derrick Henry narrative with Tannehill because we have seen Tannehill perform without Henry in the past. Or even um, in games where Henry doesn't doesn't have a good game, this yeah, one Tannehill's been fine. Didn't work exactly, yeah. And I think that's kind of a problem. One takeaway though that really matters is AJ Brown is a top five fantasy wide receiver. Rest away, he's like, a perennial he's so wide receiver. It's, I don't care what number you put on it. He is a he's a Julio Jones caliber wide receiver. One hundred percent has the same. Same game? Not just fantasy, a franchise wide receiver, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and actually, the difference between Julio Jones and A.J. Brown is A.J. Brown catches touchdowns. Yeah. And yeah, he looks he looks like Julio after the catch. He looks like Julio high-pointing the ball. 
He has to stay healthy, though. Every okay. single game, he leaves the game with an injury. That's the as an owner in multiple dynasty leagues owning AJ Brown, it is extremely frustrating seeing. You know, when I'm checking Bleacher Report really quick after I see AJ Brown 22 yard catch, AJ Brown was injured on the play. Yeah. Like again? Well, Every- when you're six four and you're just look, he's a freak. When when you're that big and you get hit in awkward angles and you 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 can jump. 100 feet into the air, you're going to take dings throughout the season. Oh, and he's a physical runner. So, no, I, yeah. I understand it, yeah. and I understand the physicality of, of football, especially at the highest level, but it's just it's frustrating to see him consistently there. Yeah, if he could learn, because I, I do believe that falling down is a skill at wide receiver. Um, Allen Robinson, sport. what is it? At any – Falling yeah. down is a skill at any sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson, I, I went into like an off-season Allen Robinson, like, I don't know, 40-minute highlight video tailspin. And I found that Allen Robinson is elite at falling down. And I didn't think that was a thing. But when you watch him compared to like DJ Moore, DJ Moore doesn't know when to go down. And that's going to cost him. That costs him physically. It costs him you know, a fumble or whatever. But when Allen Robinson catches the ball, he he has like the spatial recognition of when to fall down that AJ Brown hopefully develops over time, over the middle at the very least. Yeah, and you know, I've played multiple sports my entire life. Something I learned very early on was how to fall down. You know, if you watch an an NBA game, you might think that these players are falling because they're trying to get a foul. 95% of the reason why these NBA players are falling to the ground is because there's feet underneath them that they could hurt, they could tear, they hurt their ankle on. There's, there's, you know, you could tear your ACL, you could sprain your ankle, you could have a Gordon Hayward type injury. There is so much going on underneath you. You can't control where everybody is. And when you're up, up that high and you're coming down with, it, there's so much variables there. That's why you fall down. You teach yourself the roll effect. So when your feet hit, you automatically roll to the ground so that it's a nice, safe landing. I hope you teach Mike Williams that because he, he literally jumps up as high as he can and falls as hard as he possibly can. He just, yeah. he just, he loves to hit the ground at full, full speed. <laughs> yeah. Well, tag him in the episode. <laughs> I will. Bucks Washington. So yeah. didn't expect it to be much of a game. Heineke looked pretty good. I yeah. know I talked to him on the last episode saying I didn't want to even learn his name. That's just because I'm mad at how they treated Dwayne Haskins. What? You're mad about, about that? Yep. Gross. Did you did you listen to did, I did as, not listen to the last one? As, no. as somebody on our podcast, you didn't listen to an episode that you weren't on? Oh. oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, that's, well, that's outrageous that you're not mad at Haskins. The dude, the dude wasted his career like in a blink of an eye. I hope he becomes somebody else's franchise quarterback. You want him in New England? Take him because he. Oh, Bill. Bill loves those. You know. No, he doesn't. Try to, try to fix players. No, he's only done it like three times. Yeah, he does it all the time. Um, well, yeah, he'll fit right in. T- no, Tom that's Brady garbage that you think that. I'm sorry. Tom Brady looked good. Um, Leonard Fournette looked like Jaguars Leonard Fournette. He did. 
Antonio Brown looked good. That whole against a very good defense, everybody produced. Every single guy that you would have potentially started put up double-digit fantasy points. Brown had a zero, though. Yeah. Evans, Brate, Godwin, Brown, Fournette. Brady had a good game. It was just fantasy-wise against a very good defense. I was, you know, very surprised. But Heineke looked good. Yeah, I mean, the one takeaway from Gronk and something that I think was overlooked coming into the into the weekend is Gronk is a tremendous blocker, and Bruce Arians and Tom Brady weren't going to let Tom Brady get killed. So I think Gronk was blocking most of the game to make sure Chase Chase Young didn't just murder Tom Brady. Like yep, he is, he's an extended offensive lineman. Yep, exactly. That can and run down not, the field. It's not his age. It's just that's he's been yep. that since he was a rookie in the NFL. He's a yep. phenomenal. Yeah, 100%. And I think that kind of was forgotten in the process of everyone knows Tom Brady's weakness is defensive line. So why not just use Gronk to block? Um, Actually, one takeaway from the Washington team that I liked, um, and this isn't a good thing, but Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, Antonio Gibson looked hurt. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that going into next season. Like if you're like kind of in a a pretty competitive, but you know, relatively like if you're in a home league that is competitive, but not highly competitive, I think Antonio Gibson's going to fall, even though he finishes a top 12 back. I think people are going to see the national spotlight of Antonio Gibson isn't that good and carry that into next season because then I'm going to take Antonio Gibson and he's going to be a running back one or two. Yeah, but you're taking him in the middle of the first round. What? I'm not taking Antonio Gibson in the middle you of the are. first round. I mean, oh, I me personally, you, I might. But Next year, your team is going to be DJ Moore, Antonio Gibson, Matt Stafford. Will Fuller. Will Fuller. By the grace of God, that will be my team. Logan Thomas. I don't care about Logan Thomas. But it's just, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you know, let's say the average person watches the national football game. It's on the national stage. And uh, I don't know why I call it the national three, football game, but also a top three front seven he played against. Oh yeah, for sure. But he also looked Bucks bad. Front seven look- is phenomenal. They, they have a pro bowler at almost every position. Yeah. But he, but in combination of, he just didn't look good carrying the ball and he's got that high ankle injury that he shouldn't have been back from. He should have, he should have sat out the last three weeks. The Bucks went out of their way to make sure that Antonio Gibson didn't beat them. Yep. Is what and, I want. And that helps me for next season when I'm drafting him. So yeah, that's a that's a one big takeaway is he may fall um because of playoff. But probably not took over and, and pretty much won the game for LA against Seattle. Cam Akers is a freak. He seems like a freak anyway. Yeah, Seattle can't stop a nosebleed in, in the run game. That's the, that's the takeaway there. He's good, but this isn't he, – he's not the he, – I have him around, you know, the running backs five in this class. It's, it's a, it's like a after deep the running back. After this going season, in- yeah, going into next season, long term, he's my running back six out of this class, maybe five. Yeah. I have Swift as the one. I, I, yeah, I, know you I was texting you about it yesterday. I, I love DeAndre Swift's game. He's the most complete back in the class. I don't know how you can I, say that with, with Jonathan Taylor's receiving season. Yeah. You know, but again, Phillip Rivers checks the ball down more than any quarterback in NFL history, right? So 
how much of that is just Philip Rivers, and we'll see that next year if it's Jacoby Brissett or Jacob Eason or whoever their quarterback is next year, if it's the same production. Yeah, but I think he showed enough to where he could be, and we'll dive into it later in the offseason. I, I think JT showed enough where he can be oh, part of the passing game. I, I have I have JT at two behind Swift. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like I have him as the running back seven. You know, I have I think the yeah. one question in your rankings is who do you have higher, Aikens or Dobbins? They they kind of seem neck and neck to me. I have it's it's a it's tough to, you know, I'd probably put Akers just because of the volume. You know, because he's going to get more volume because Jared Goff isn't pulling the ball and running. But at the same time, J.K. has more explosive runs due to the fact that people are watching Lamar. You know, those zone reads, if two people crash down on Lamar, two people aren't crashing down on Jared Goff. Yeah. Remember Keyshawn Vaughn? That was fun. Yeah, that one game. Like I had such a good stat for Keyshawn Vaughn, too. And yeah, you, you you were very high on him coming in. I was. I liked Keyshawn Vaughn a lot, but then he fumbled and got Brady killed, so he'll never see the NFL. Yeah, he's going yeah. to the XFL. Brady will never let him play again. No, no, he's um, done. His NFL career <laughs> is now over. Um, what game? Oh, we're talking about the Bucks, right? <laughs> no, so, no, you, you, you went in a rap for some reason. So, Seattle, Carson still looks like a – a great running back. I hope he gets signed there, but at the same yeah. time, I want to see Rashad Penny get the full workload there. Right. Yeah, it's like, well, you know what? They want to run the ball more, so they're both probably going to get 20 carries a game. They're both running back ones with stupid Pete Carroll calling the offense. How do you want to run the ball more after you saw Russ dominate the NFL for the first 10 weeks? I don't get that. I don't because, understand. Because of a game like this where they can't, they can't move the ball in the air and they have no running game, and now they have to resort back to the run game. Let Russ Cook works great if you have a balanced offense. Yeah, I gotta ask this: Has Russ ever thrown to a running back? Not much. In yeah, the first I, three weeks this really year, needs to involve them. In the first three weeks this year, he did. But again, there is a direct correlation between scrambling quarterbacks and di- dumping mm-hmm. onto the running back. But I don't feel like he's a scrambling quarter. I feel like him and Aaron Rodgers put up the same rushing numbers every year. Like, not every year, but I feel like he and Aaron Rodgers are kind of looked at in the same tier of rushing at this point. I don't think Russell Wilson is Josh Allen anymore. Like, he does rush, but I don't think he rushes for as much as what we think he does. Yeah, I mean, I, I he, es- he escapes the pocket more. Yeah. Yeah, he and does. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, when the play breaks down, is where he's elite. Yeah. But it, that's where Russ weird. tries to be elite, right? That's... So the last game on the slate this week, we had the Colts and Bills. Very, very fun game to watch. Um, Colts had a chance to win it. There was some weird officiating, but. I'm very surprised Jonathan Taylor didn't have a better day. The Bills were very bad rush defense this year, and to only average 3.7 yards per carry was a little weird to me. Yeah, yards per carry is what it is. I don't really like to look at a running back with that stat. I think the touches he got, he was actually really good with. I think the problem... 21 rushes for 78 yards. Yeah, but he, he had some nice little breakaway runs. He wasn't... He wasn't 250-yard Taylor that we saw against Jacksonville. Um, 
but I think that the game plan for the Colts, I think they played scared. It feels like they played scared. It felt like they were losing from kickoff and they needed to play catch up the entire game. When in reality, if they just would have stuck with Taylor as, you know, even more, or if they would have been a little bit more conservative and like actually try to control the clock and maybe a little more aggressive on fourth downs. I think if they just took more risk and they gave Taylor the ball more, I think they would have won that game, to be honest. It, it felt like they were pressing the entire game. And it could just be me, but I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to leave my game up to Phillip Rivers. I really don't. No, and that's the thing. So he threw the ball 46 times. They had the ball a ton. Um, if you have the ball 21 times and you are only 78 yards, when Naeem Hines has six rushes for 75 yards. All that came at the end, though. All that came at halftime, and at, at the end, that was garbage time. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, again, that's where I want to I see. I want to see Jonathan Taylor on the field 100% of the time. That's Hines is good, though. You can't, take, you can't discredit Hines because he has been very good for them, and I really like Hines moving forward. Everything we wanted Tariq Cohen to be, Hines is going to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My concern again is the quarterback. You know, if you if if they it matters who they draft or who they have. Do you like Naeem Hines as much next year with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback? It's not going to be. It's not going to be Brissett. It's not going to be Eason. It's going to be. It, it's going to be either a drafted quarterback that they trade up for, which they should trade up for that kid from is it Notre Dame? God, I forget his name. He's really good. He looks so good. Uh, kid with a rocket for an arm. Or it's going to be Carson Wentz. I, I, I really think it's just going to be Carson Wentz or Matt Stafford. Carson Wentz, that's, that's the worst. That's the worst possible. So Frank Wentz, right? made, Wentz is made one of those work. quarterbacks who consistently targets tight ends. And India is the best place for him. Trey Burton, Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox. I, as I saw Wentz this year and I saw the play calling, just become abysmal. I watched a lot of Eagles games because I had Miles Sanders. And week in and week out, and I think I texted you this, Doug Peterson and the Eagles don't know how to develop passing plays for the running back. And I think Frank Wright could do it. And I want to see, and I think something that we should definitely dive into in the offseason, what did Carson Wentz do with Frank Wright if he goes back there? You know, I want to see how many times he targeted Darren Sproles. I want to see how many tar- times he targeted running backs out of the backfield. And what he, you know, I know the tight ends were still like the, the pieces, you know, to throw to. And that's because you have Ertz and Goddard. And he had, uh, God, who was that other tight end? Richard Rodgers. No, no, no. I'm talking about a few years ago. Ahead of Ertz. I don't remember offhand. Yeah, I don't remember offhand either, but he was good. They've had tight ends cycle in and out every year that are, that are really good. I just want to see what Wentz can do with a team that it can actually call passing plays for the running back. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like the only time they threw the ball to Miles Sanders was when it was an obvious screenplay and the defense knew it, you know? So it, it was never like a deceptive screen where it, it got him in space. It was like, all right, our line is going to set up obvious for a screenplay. Everything was just so badly drawn up on every part of the game but let's hop into Deshaun Watson it's a hot topic my favorite topic 
I know we both want him on our respective teams. I know every single oh, get out of here. guys wants him on there. I honestly, how much, how much better are the Patriots going to be with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, they're going to be better, but they, if you trade, you know, two first round picks in a second, because that's probably what it'll take for Deshaun Watson. I think it's more. Not more. I think yeah. it's more. If not more, then the issue with the Patriots is there's no talent on the team. You have zero young talent. You have zero actual talent. The only talent that offense had this year was their guards and their center. That's actually not a bad thing, though, for Watson because he doesn't have that. Do you want him rolling out and seeing Dalton Keene and and Jacoby? Yeah, but be be realistic. You guys have the most cap in football here. You could sign, if you brought in Watson, you could sign any receiver you want. You probably Wherever Deshaun Watson goes, Allen Robinson needs to go. Yeah, I need I agree. them two together. I agree. I couldn't, I could not agree more. However, as much as I would love for the Patriots to get Watson, uh, he belongs in Miami. He said he'd wave his no. Well, I don't know for sure he said this, but the, 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 the rumors were he would wave his no trade clause to go to Miami. Look, Tua, Tua could pan out. He could be great. I don't think I want to find out. I re- like I said this before the season. I didn't think he was ready because of the injury. And I'm not saying that a you know a handful of games playing mediocre football, being pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to ruin his career because it's not. It, it, that's not what a career. It, those five games don't matter in the grand scheme of things. I just don't want to find out if I can go out and get Deshaun Watson. If if it, if we can trade the 103, the 118, and Tua, I don't want to trade that much. I'd much rather give up Tua, the 118, and the third because I think realistically the Texans would do that because they're dumb. Yeah, but they don't have Bill O'Brien anymore. Yeah, they're still Deshaun Watson still wants to leave because they're still idiots. Like it's not like it's gotten much better. No, I get it, but in the NFL, players don't really have an option. It's either you you never play football again or you Yeah. You but know? Regardless, if Miami trades the 103 and trades the 118, they have plenty of capital to go get Allen Robinson. They can draft Waddle or they could draft one of these receivers in the second round. And have second well, whatever they can draft a really deep wide receiver class. They could take two of them in the middle round. Just the best wide receiver class we've ever seen. Just like last year. So Every weird. year is the best wide receiver class. Every year, but no, Miami's a championship team without Deshaun Watson. I think, or at least close oh. enough. They're close enough. Well, they're a playoff team. All right, they're a playoff team without Deshaun Watson, and they're a championship team with Deshaun Watson. And I don't want to wait for Tua to develop if our window's now. I just don't like left-handed quarterbacks. So <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not a Dolphins. If the Patriots draft a left-handed quarterback, I'm going to be so upset. I don't care how good he is. I hope he trade you Tua then. Oh, I just – there's something just wrong about watching a left-handed quarterback. It doesn't feel right. I'll give you that. Also, but, yeah. catching the ball from somebody who's a left-handed quarterback – Oh, 100% different than people think. Yeah, it's got spin. It's got tail. Oh, it's so weird. The, uh, I, I feel like I drop passes just because the ball's spinning in opposite direction. And I don't <laughs> drop anything, don't get me wrong, but I feel like I'm oh. going to. I overthink it because the ball's coming in and it's spinning the opposite direction. It's coming in at a different angle. It's just... It's Does different. it... I can't remember. I guess I didn't play with any left-handed quarterbacks. 
you know, left-handed pitchers have tail. Like they naturally have tail to the ball. That's just how they throw. There's, there's like a natural movement to it. Do left-handed quarterbacks have tail that like moves away from you when you, when you get the ball? Well, quarterback? They throw in two seam. Are quarterbacks throwing two seam footballs at you and the ball's just diving away from you as you try to catch it? Well, remember, so as a, as a right-handed quarterback, primarily you're, when you're running, you're looking over your right shoulder when you catch the ball, right? Now, as a left-handed, they're rolling to their left. They're more likely to look to their left. So now you're catching it over your left shoulder, running towards the left-handed sideline. The whole game is a little different. It just – does the Wait a minute. I just realized. Do NFL offenses invert their offense? Like, do they put their X on the other side, and do they put the blind side on the other side? Their offensive line doesn't change. Your left tackle should. They probably should, but I mean, yeah, because that's your blind side now. But yeah, that's your blind side. But that's oh, I think we is. need to be coordinators for the Dolphins. We need to put Allen Robinson on the opposite side. But then NFL teams might get all screwed up. They could just flip everybody and call it a day. But maybe Tre'Davious White is like, I'm not going over there. It's the other side of the field. I don't like. Yeah, that Richard side. Sherman wouldn't do that. Yeah, Sherman wouldn't yeah, do it. Not that. That le- they left Davis White would probably do that. Trey White could do anything. Yeah, he really could. But yeah, I don't know. But where do you think he ends up? So I guess to wrap up the Deshaun Watson conversation, well, I want to go two places. One of these is for Tyler. Where do you think Deshaun Watson ends up? Like realistically, do you think he stays? Like, do you think he goes somewhere? And the second part of that is what will it take to trade for Deshaun Watson? in fantasy football, in a super flex, in a dynasty where you co-host with that person. I'm not trading for Deshaun Watson. I don't – unless somebody offers me Deshaun Watson, I'm not even asking because the asking price is going to be too high. Like, Tyler has been in our dynasty league, and he probably won't do anything less than Cole Beasley. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Latavius Murray, three first-round picks, um, a running back who averages a minimum of 18 t- – no, no less than 18 touches per game. If he has a 17-touch week, he doesn't want them. So let um, me ask you this, then. Is Alvin Kamara, Calvin Ridley in a first fair? Yeah. Is that too much for me? I wouldn't do it. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah, probably – so it, think of it this way, right? In a super flex league, if you so you have the 107, right? Yeah, I know who I'm taking. So at the 107, I want to take. Let's just at what's expected to happen, right? And it's the it's halftime of the national championship game. It's actually right before halftime, and Devonta Smith has three touchdowns already, and he's yep. physically impossible to guard. Yep. So. The 101 is going to be Lawrence, most likely. Most likely, the 102 is going to be Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm. If not Justin Fields, it's going to be another quarterback. So it'll be the next quarterback taken off the board. Then the 103 is most likely to be either Etienne or Harris. Is it Etienne? Then, then you have a run on a couple wide receivers with Chase and Smith. Yep. And now you're looking at the quarterback three of this class, which is most likely going to be what Trask, Wilson, Mac, Mac Jones. You, you have, you know, four, four guys to choose from. It all matters where they get drafted. 
but you're drafting a quarterback there. Yeah, probably. There is one other player that I think could go in the first six picks, but I won't say it. Maybe no, they I, listen to the podcast. I it, think Kyle Pitts could definitely go in the first six. In our league, no. In other leagues, yes. Kyle uh, Pitts. Like, I am definitely considering. This is the best tight end class the NFL's ever seen. Yeah, I would. I think I could. If the quarterback I want doesn't fall to me, I'm defaulting to Pitts. This is this is this is going to be there's going to be probably three tight ends drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. That's crazy. Yeah, because you have what doesn't happen. Is it Fryerman? I forgot how to pronounce. Who knows? I don't know anything about college. I know like a couple things, but you're looking at three tight ends being drafted in the first round. Yeah, that's exciting. But yeah, I mean, so at the 108, you're looking at the third quarterback off the board most likely. How did we get here? Oh, with the Watson trade. With the Watson trade. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so don't don't rush and try to get – don't. why would you give up a wide, the fifth-ranked wide receiver on the year and the first-ranked running back on the year? Just, you're, you're blowing up your entire team just to get one quarterback. Yeah, but yeah, I have – Somebody like Tannehill or Baker Mayfield and surviving at quarterback while th- – flourishing at wide receiver and running back. I wish I could say I was surviving. I am barely holding on at quarterback. I have um, Matt Ryan. I have Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford and Phillip Rivers. So I am barely holding on. I'm not even like surviving. I am like, I'm in, I'm in the Titanic and I'm looking for Julia and I can't find her. (laughs) Yeah. There's no more lifeboats. Yeah. I'm out of lifeboats. This is the 108. It's, it's not, it's not giving up. Kamara and right, Calvin Ridley enough. and a first round pick. I, I think you would be stupid to do it. And you know what? He would probably ask for more. He probably would. I was going to offer that for Mahomes too, but Mahomes, that's a different ball game. Yeah, that is a different ball game. I thought about offering that for Mahomes, but the guys knew it. Anyway, don't need to jump down that rabbit hole. He listens to the um, podcast. So does he? Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, Next, man. Dak, another good shout out for you, buddy. Yeah, um, we're coming so from Mahomes. If you sell on Mahomes, you could probably get Calvin Ridley, um, eh, Bonte Adams. Moore. How about DJ Moore and Gus Edwards? <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll probably he'll settle for Devonte Adams, Alvin Kamara, and Calvin Ridley. No, maybe I don't know. This is a deep wide receiver class. Yeah, every one is. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into our last segment here. So. Three guys, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end. You do not look forward to covering in this offseason and why. Yeah, and I think to give it a little more back first. Yeah, and I think to give it a little more context, these are just guys that are well known, like you know, guys that are going to be drafted. It's just guys that we don't want to project. And maybe it's not their talent, maybe it's their situation. And I, you know, I don't think we need to go too in depth with these. I think that we can kind of keep them surface level. And then, you know, during the offseason, we can figure out who we really don't want to cover. Um, but my first running back, ironically, um, is Alvin Kamara. Um, Drew Brees is retiring. Um, I, I don't know what the quarterback situation looks like, right? Nobody does. Is it Winston? Is it Hill? Winston's not even under contract. So technically, if, if you know, the Saints don't come up with some, some more money, um, which they probably won't have because of Brees or whatever, it's Taysom Hill at quarterback. And... Taste, uh, Alvin Kamara is unbelievably efficient. He's great with the touches he gets, 
But in the four games that Taysom Hill was the quarterback, Alvin Kamara saw one or less targets in, in pretty much all of them, except for the last one. So I just don't see a world where Alvin Kamara finishes as anywhere near the running back one next year. And I think if you draft him in the top three, you're going to be disappointed with what you get at the end of the season. And I want to project Alvin Kamara for a lot more. I just don't know if I'll be able to once we figure out, once the dust settles at quarterback. Yeah, Um, so he's the one player on that offense that really struggled due to the Breeze injury, right? Yep. So he did have some good games, but overall, he lost goal line carries to his quarterback. Yep. He didn't get targeted. Yep. And these are like, those are the two most important things in fantasy too, right? Those are the high value touches. It's the red zone touches and it's the third down catches that like where you thrive in in drafting running five. It's first and goal from the two. And they ran it with their quarterback twice and he's split out wide, just getting out of the way. Yep. I mean, granted, I'd rather that than him lead blocking and getting rolled up on. But regardless, I mean, yeah. it was extremely frustrating because I felt like Latavius Murray had more targets from Taysom Hill than he did. I mean, you're probably right in the first three games. I think the last one he ended up getting targeted like four or five times. But yeah, no, it, Taysom Hill ruins Alvin Kamara's high value touches and high value meaning third down catches and goal line touches. Like, but, you know, Taysom Hill is not the franchise quarterback there, which is the good thing. He's yeah. going to be 31 years old, and he's, well, a, we'll see. he's a gadget guy. The best thing that could happen to your Michael Thomas shares or – Gets traded? Is No, is Jameis Winston taking over. Oh, yeah. Signing a team-friendly contract for like $2 million, $3 million. Prove it to us with a bunch of incentives – that's the best thing that could happen because Jameis has all the talent in the world. And that's the reason why he was drafted first overall. Michael Thomas is going to be just fine without Drew Brees. Definitely. And I don't want to, I don't want to hang around Alvin Kamara for too long, but do you think like, look like Winston as a quarterback throws to his receivers more than anybody else in the league, really? Like when he was in Tampa, he never checked down the tight ends. He never checked down to the running backs. Do you think Sean Payton will get that out of him to say, hey, you need to hit Alvin Kamara. He's our best player. But what what running back did he have in Tampa Bay? You know, Doug Martin wasn't exactly the best. He wasn't Alvin Kamara, right? True, but so, honestly, even if Alvin Kamara played for the Bucks, Jameis was chucking it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. That, that, that's It's an offensive difference, though, because yeah. – how much is, you know, Brady is one of the biggest checkdown quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. And did we really see a, a ton of targets that are running backs? Nope. No, no, we didn't. Bruce Arians will get his way, right? You're right. Yeah. And the, that's why it was such a weird marriage between Brady and Arians. But <laughs> all right. You Who's know, your running back, though, Tim? My Who's running back? Your yeah. guy. You don't want to draft or whatever. No, it's not. It's not that I don't want to draft him. Well, I don't know how to cover him. Yeah. I have no idea. The Bills' backfield. The entire backfield. I know Tyler would agree with me on this one. I would agree with you, too. How do you project a team that you just don't know who the guy is going to be every single week? Is it going to be – Is it, it's not even who the guy is going to be. It's a full 50-50 timeshare. But like, as far as playing time, but it's, it's Russian roulette if they get touches on their series. 
it really looks like it's Singletary one series, Moss the next series, Singletary Moss. But if for some reason you get the series of Singletary where they, they throw the ball six consecutive plays and it's all the digs, I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, that's where I was. It's just frustrating because you don't know which one's going to be the guy each and every week, and neither of them are going to separate themselves. No, I 100% agree. And this was my take heading into the season, if you remember, of I don't want any of the Bills running backs. I don't want Singletary. I don't want Moss. I don't think – I think that's the problem is that neither one of them are that talented. Like, I don't think Singletary is anything special, and I don't think Moss is anything special. Moss actually – Good NFL running back, and Moss is average – you keep saying that, but there's nothing that Singletary does that's above average to me. He he is a shaky running back. He is he's a smaller David Montgomery. That's bad. <laughs> right. So Montgomery isn't exactly a power back, but he's Montgomery is a average to an average NFL running back. If you give him his touches, he's gonna get you what you need, but he's nothing explosive. Okay, for the sake of the argument, let's say Singletary is a good, a good enough running back. So I won't even call him good. If his game is kind of the scat back type, where he does show some power but catches the ball, has some explosive plays, we talked about this earlier, maybe before the podcast. Running quarterbacks don't target their running back. So right. where does Singletary fit in, and how is how is Singletary's ceiling optimized? With Josh Allen, and I don't think it is. The way it is is, so we've seen Josh Allen progress at a level that we haven't seen quarterbacks do in a long time. He was arguably a, he was a bust in a lot of people's eyes, what, 14 months ago? Yep. And now he's going to be the cover on Madden and an MVP (laughs) candidate in one year because all they did was add Stephon Diggs and Zach Moss, who, Again, yeah, Stefan Diggs. He added Stefan, <laughs> but I'm just saying that's what they've added to the offense. And Gabe Davis, but, I like Gabe Davis, who is pretty good. Yeah, I like Gabe Davis. Don't you throw his name out there like that in some, in some leagues? Stash yeah. Davis if you can. Yeah, he's but, um, yeah. I mean, if he progresses and he runs the ball less, because he already did right now. Now his rushing touchdowns went down, etc. If he continues to progress and become more of a Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers type running quarterback where they don't have to, they just they do if if it's the better play. It that's where Singletary really gets a little bit more value, is where now he's a pocket quarterback who's breaking down the defense using his running backs. Even if it's true, Singletary will not get even oh, J.D. It's, it's McKissick. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. He's not even going to get J.D. T- McKissick targets. I mean, how can you? J.D. McKissick was getting double-digit targets some weeks. Like, that's his ceiling. Isn't that, like, no, doesn't that he, say that's something? not his – his ceiling isn't anywhere close to that. Anymore. Right. That's what I mean. Like, I 100% am on board with you guys. I was on board with it before the season started that I was out on these running backs. You just kept saying Singletary is good for some whatever reason. No, I, why, I said – he was the best option to draft in that in that range. You know, when I was drafting a running back three in the eighth round. Oh, maybe we I, need to 
maybe we need to look back at the draft board and see who the actual best running back in that range was because it was not Singletary. No, I think it was Melvin Gordon, was it? No, he was way earlier. We'll, we'll visit that another time. James Robinson. Yeah, well, that's 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 an outlier. We can't count for that. Yeah, no, yes. but I, I'm with you. I love. I saw your pick for the for the Bills backfield on, on the sheet, and I loved it from right as soon as I saw it. Because you're 100 right. You can't project them. It's going to be so hard. But they're a prolific offense, and there's going to be production there. So who who are you taking your shot? And if one of them goes down, you have a running back who's yep. a starting NFL running back on your team. Yep. But do, do you just not draft them and take the chance that they both stay healthy and? Yeah, there's so well, much well, that goes into it. Yeah, we're gonna have a long off season talking about the Bills' backfield. I think. So we have a couple. This is where it starts getting a little bit more interesting. Is the wide receiver position and the tight ends? We're not gonna do quarterbacks. My wide receiver is somebody. It's it's Marquise Hollywood Brown. So over the last seven weeks, he's averaged sixteen and a half fantasy points per game. He has not had less than, what, 12.9 points. He's had like six touchdowns, 200-yard games. He's getting about eight targets a game. He's the number one wide receiver on that offense. They've been using him in a better role. And it's been since they've let Lamar cook a little bit more and let him open up his game. I think we're looking at Marquise Brown being – a little bit more than a wide receiver four that he was being for the first 10 weeks of the year, you know, but at the same time, is this just a hot streak with, cause this is what he is. He's a hot streak guy. Is this just a hot streak? That's at the best time of year to improve his value. Yeah. So I think we saw all we needed to see out of Hollywood Brown in the first half of the season. And that's not to say that we should discredit his second half of the season because we definitely shouldn't. Lamar got better as a passer at the end of the season. How much of that was linked to schedule? I think that's worth visiting. But I think what we figured out with Hollywood Brown is that he's not a receiver one. He is not a good team's wide receiver one. He's an auxiliary piece. He's a Deshaun Jackson. He's a Henry Ruggs. But he's not, he's not who the team should be targeting 30% of the time. He's somebody that can will get open. He will get open downfield, and Lamar has to make those throws. But I don't want my fantasy team and my wide receiver two or three dependent on Lamar's Lamar Jackson's arm. I, I genuinely don't. I don't think that I, I think Marquise Brown possesses a really good skill set. And the Ravens need to do more with it. But as far as Marquise Brown being the one and being drafted over guys like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf was a poor decision. And I think that the Ravens need to bring in a real wide receiver one to, to fit in with Marquise Brown. The worst thing that happened to Marquise Brown was Tyreek Hill. Yep. Yep. 100%. Because now he has that expectation. You're 100% right. Because right now he's McCole Hardman, but with more snaps. You're 100% right. The worst thing to happen to these speedy wideouts is now if you're that fast, you have to be Tyreek Hill. If not, then you're a bust, right? Henry Ruggs is being labeled as a bust. John John Ross was a bust. So if you're just fast and you don't do everything that Tyreek Hill does, you're screwed. So And look, flip. Teams, I think Marquise Brown is uber talented. 
And if you put him with Mahomes, he's not putting up Tyreek Hill numbers, but he's putting up numbers. Like, I think he has a really, you know, I think he has some really high ceiling games where he's going 150 yards. And vice versa, if you put Tyreek Hill in Baltimore, I think he does better than what Marquise Brown does because Tyreek Hill is not a as, prolific player. But he's not but putting up doing in Kansas City. Yeah, he's not this consistent wide receiver one every single week because Lamar doesn't possess that skill set. And I think I think Marquise Brown being asked to be the receiver one on a really good Ravens team just isn't fair to Marquise Brown. And I think that's how you, how you have to value him in fantasy too, like. If you're putting Marquise Brown in your lineup, you could get a one for six, and you need to know that. And if you're okay with that, if you have a roster that makes sense where you can have a guy that has a ceiling of two for 150 and two touchdowns or one for six, great. And not to say that that's his ceiling, because I do think he is a little bit better of a, a pass catcher and route runner than, than you know Deshaun Jackson ever was. Um, you know, it, Just know that 30% of Lamar Jackson's targets doesn't matter as much as 30% of Patrick Mahomes target right so your wide receiver yeah so my guy who coincides with my my quarterback guy at the beginning of the season um is Marvin Jones and I'm not looking forward to projecting him because I know I'm going to get him wrong I know I'm going to be too low on him I know everybody's going to be like oh Marvin Jones is washed and I did this midway through the season do you remember I cut Marvin Jones week four because he lost me week three and I was pissed. And then he didn't put up a single digit game yeah. for the rest of the season. Yep. He absolutely dominated as soon as I dropped him. And I think the reason I don't want to project Marvin Jones is because wherever I project him, he's going to finish higher. He's going to finish higher than the wide receiver 42 that I project him at because I'm so excited about Denzel Mims and I'm so excited about these other guys who have all this raw talent when in reality, Marvin Jones is just a good wide receiver. And in a great a, situation, in a great situation, assuming Stafford comes back. Now, if Chase Daniels is coming back, then I don't think I'd have Marvin Jones low enough. But assuming Mar, you know, Matt Stafford is back, the reason I don't want to project Marvin Jones is because whatever I draft him for, he's going to go over it. He's going to go over it because he's that good of a wide receiver. And I don't know if you feel the same about that. So he's going to be what thirty three. Yep. Or 34 something, years old. Something like he's that. definitely towards the end of his shelf life as far as wide receiver. No, he's going to be 31, which is right. He, he's still prime. He's still prime in his I prime as a wide receiver. But um, he's still on the older end. Uh, you know, my mind has made the transition to dynasty in every <laughs> single aspect. I feel like my guys all have to be 22 years old in every single position. Yeah. Yeah. But it, if Stafford isn't there, Remember, Kenny Galladay is coming back. No, he's so, on a contract, too. He might not be back. It's the other thing. So isn't he a restricted free agent? Um, That's maybe? the thing. So if we're projecting Matt Stafford being back, then we're probably projecting Kenny Galladay to be back. Yep. And we're not getting, what, four games out of Kenny Galladay. So he's not going to be the wide receiver 18. No. And he's going to be drafted like, he was the, like he's going to be the wide receiver 27. You think so? I think he's lower yeah. than that. I think the no, that's where he's of- going to be drafted is the issue, because people see his touchdown upside. Look, look at his look at his career game logs. I mean, his career logs. I mean, he has double digit touchdowns in I think four or five seasons on his career. You know, when he was in yeah. Atlanta, it's, he's he's one of those guys where it's just, I mean, he, he's a he's one of those safe guys that if you're trying to build one of those safe, productive 
lineups where you're going to have guys putting up 10, 12, 13 points a week. He's your guy. But if you want to potentially get the next Calvin Ridley and, and you'd rather draft one of these rookie wide receivers, that's around when they're going to start going is when you're going to be taking Marvin Jones in, in yeah, region. In region. Yeah. No, I agree with everything except I think he's going to be much lower than the wide receiver 27. I think it's going to be you get to that wide receiver 22, 24, and then what you're, you're talking about, you're yeah. going to see that run of Jerry Judy, Brian Edwards. You're going to see, you know, some of those other kids coming he out. Who, and- right. Yeah, you're going to see these other wide receivers that didn't maybe perform their rookie season, but they're 23, so they're going to be great, right? And I think Marvin Jones falls to wide receiver 35, 38, 40. And people are just going to be like, yeah, Kenny Galladay's back, whatever. Like, you can ignore Marvin Jones. When in reality, I think Marvin Jones, with the atrocity of of whatever the Detroit defense is going to be, is going to be a lot better than where we're projecting him at 35, 38, 40. And now he's wide receiver 22 to end the season. And we go, what the hell? We missed again. (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah, like, and, and I think you know, twenty-seven was just kind of a, a ballpark figure, but yeah, I mean, he's that you know, wide receiver. He's a wide receiver three, you know, and yep. that's exactly what he is. And, and the thing is, is he's next year he's going to either be the wide receiver twenty-two or the wide receiver forty-eight, you know. So that it's it, it's one of those things, and this is all based off of if we think Stafford's coming back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Chase maybe. Daniels, we aren't. We don't need to talk about Marvin Jones anymore. Or a rookie quarterback, it just may not be a good fit for a Marvin Jones skill set, right? Right. Yep. So, yeah, it, it, he's he's going to be tough. Yeah, um, I agree. So that brings us to tight end, right? Yep. So, I and this actually kind of links to your your receiver person receiver that you don't want to have to stat out. My tight end is Mark Andrews. Um, we saw a very roller coaster season from Mark Andrews, and a lot of that fell on Lamar's shoulder again. Like he he really regressed as a passer, and I think he regressed to his mean. And I know at the beginning of the year I talked about how much I loved Lamar and how many you know I wanted Lamar everywhere, but at the end of the day, I don't know if Lamar is that good of a passer, and, and I hate to say it. I know that's kind of the narrative with him, but Mark Andrews, you know, I don't think he's going to perform like he did in 2019 in 2021. And I I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to project him and I'm going to stat him out. Mark Andrews, 2019, when in reality, I think the roller coaster up and down Mark Andrews is what we'll see again because of Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to disagree with you here. So, yeah, 2019, he was fantastic, right? He was a tight end five on the season. He was a tight end six this year. It, it doesn't like, feel like where you have, but if you no, drafted. I know. I know. So the thing is, is last year in 2019, he had like six games in single fig, uh, single digits. Um, pulling up his game log as we speak, he had six games in single digits. And he played 15 games this year. He missed two games. He had one, two, three, four, five, six games in single digits. So all that really happened was he scored two less touchdowns and he played one less game and he caught six less passes. So, you know, he got more snaps. And I think that's the issue, right? Like 
He but he that. never was that 80% snap guy in 2019 either. But he I think the up, hope and what happened broke was the that. record in points per snap for a tight end. He was only playing like he was scoring 27 points and he played 47% of the snaps last year. This year, his snap percentage went up, but his usage rate went down a little bit more, right? And that's so that, kind that of what a lot of the fact that they lost Hurst and they lost Boyle to injury. So now he's their primary tight end on every single snap. And now he's having to block more and he's being on the field more, but his production is still there as a top six tight end every going into next year. So yeah. it, if it, I'm a little bit happier owning Mark Andrews going into next year after seeing the last couple of weeks of Lamar. Yeah. I just mean for where you're going to draft him, right? Like, you're going to draft Mark Andrews as the number three tight end off the board, number three or number four, depending on where you value Waller. And it's not like you're going to draft this guy in like the seventh round. You're going to have to take him in the third, fourth round, probably the fourth. Probably fifth. You, th- you know, fifth, I think, is good value. But if you're if, if we're drafting Andrews in the fourth round, I don't think he returns the value. I mean, look at how many weeks he lost you. You know, week two, he had one catch. Week three, he had three catches on 22 yards. You know, week, I don't know, week six, he had two for 21. Week seven, That's three, the volatility of the position, eight, though. 322. But Unless you have I agree with you. Kelsey, this is what happens. I, I 100% agree with you. This is what happens at tight end. But wouldn't you rather have Mike Gesicki in, in the 12th round putting up these numbers than Mark Andrews in the fifth, fourth? Because Darren Waller was a stud, right? He was a tight end two on the year. He lost you week three when he went two catches for nine yards. He had one game where he had three catches, 37 yards. He had another game, three catches, 23 yards. But yeah, he also had a week where he had 13 catches, 200 yards and two touchdowns. But his stealing in the game is higher than Mark Andrews. I agree. But I also don't think you're taking Mark Andrews at the tight end three spot. I don't no, know. You're taking him fourth, probably. He's probably the sixth tight end off the board. No. Jay Hawkinson so. is the tight end three next year. Well, I think if you project in doing your projections, and this is kind of where I hate projecting Andrews, is that you could make a case that Mark Andrews is tight end three, or you could make a case he's tight end six, and that's a difference of multiple rounds. So do you want to be too high on Andrews, or are you going to be too low on Andrews to never get him? Like, what do you believe with Andrews? And for me, he saw a lot of the snaps, snaps went way up, which to me should have been more production, but it wasn't. So where am I projecting that next year when he's averaging 70% of the snaps? Is he going to get yeah, more I'd targets? Have, I'd rather have Noah Fant in the eighth right. round, seventh round than Mark Andrews in the sixth. And that's, that's why it's tough to project Andrews, I think, is because you know he's a big name, he's uber talented, he's on a prolific offense, but at the same time, is he that line of, yeah, Mark Andrews is great and we're projecting him to have a good season, a tight end five, tight end four, but I'm not going to take him now. I can get Gasicki, I can get Fant later kind of thing. And that, that's why I hate projecting. I'm going to hate projecting Andrews is because there's a lot of variables with him that are, are a little bit out of, out of his control, I think. Yeah. So to end the discussion, my guy is the guy – you could have named I, – I probably would have named him for the last two seasons. And my tight end that I'm going to have a hard time with projecting is going to be Chris Herndon. So he's a new 
sexy thing going into the offseason for the third season in a row because when Baker came, I mean, I'm sorry, Donald came back in the last two seasons. I mean, the last two games of the year, he had, you know, a touchdown. He had, you know, 50, 60 yards, you know, eight targets. Oh, was Chris Herndon really yours? Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to like circle off into Travis Kelsey. I kept waiting for the punchline. <laughs> no, it's it Herndon because he's going to, you're going to be talking, you know, if they, if they end up with fields, or now you're talking about the tight end for a franchise, a new franchise quarterback coming in with not a lot of weapons. He's going to be hard to, he, he, I don't know what to do with him. A lot of people have been trying to talk everybody into Chris Herndon. And I think it's more, you know, volatility of the position again, because Kelsey, Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, Waller, unless you have Kittle or Kelsey, you don't know what you're getting at the position, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Gronk was like the tight end seven or eight on the season. And the first three weeks of the year, he caught like two passes combined. And, you know, if you started in week one, you lost. And then if you started, if if you have him in a, a playoff league, you probably lost this week because he had another zero and yeah, you're probably not drafting Gronk again next year because OJ's coming back and you have Cam Bray and you don't know, you know, exactly what's going on with if AB is going to be back and if Brady's going to retire, if he rides off into the sunset, probably won't, but no, he's not no chance, but it's just, everybody's hard to project this position. You know, Logan Thomas could be the tight end one next year. Actually, yeah, I started out with Logan Thomas, and I switched it to uh, to Logan Thomas realistically could be the tight end one. He's going to be 30 years old, and he's actually a quarterback, not a tight end. He's just catching passes. But, you know, I'm sick of Tony Romo telling me he just understands the position because he used to be a quarterback, and he wants to be the same. Oh, don't you badmouth Tony Romo. I love Tony Romo. I hate him talking about Logan Thomas. But. You know, because he, he, I feel like he's trying to talk me into him being Jason Witten for some reason. And for some reason, I see Jason Witten in him. But I think that's actually a pretty good comp. I mean, not not the same skill set. Zero athleticism, um, (laughs) good hands, good blocker, you know, big bodied guy. But again, Logan Thomas could be tight end one, tight end two next year, or he could be the tight end 14. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with Chris Herndon. I, I get what you're saying, actually. Um, He's an athletic I, freak. And Adam and Gase. Donald Smith on the Jets. You, you forgot the important part of Adam Gase not being there. That's the, like the most important thing about Chris Herndon is that Adam Gase is gone. So now he's going to ball. Yeah. But do you really trust now? Are you, do you feel better with Doug Peterson having if they just interviewed him today? If do you Doug, feel better with Doug Peterson having Chris Herndon than Adam yes. Gates? No. Yes, I do, no. because look at what he did with the Eagles. All they did was throw what? a tight end. What did he do? All no. they did was throw tight ends. That, but, 40% of the past share went to tight ends. So, yeah, I feel great about Herndon if, if Peterson goes in. I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I, don't. I think – look, I think Peterson's a terrible head coach. And do you think they're going to get their running backs involved? No. Do you think it's going to help Denzel Mims? No. Crowder? No. But actually, Peterson for Herndon could actually be a good thing. Look at what he did with Goddard and Nerd. I think that's more Wentz than it is 
and also just uh, it's uh, uh, it's impossible to tell with those two chicken or eggs. Why he's on the list, right? Yeah. Hence why he's going to be impossible to because we don't know the quarterback yet. We don't know the head coach. We don't know no. the quarterback, head coach, offensive coordinator. If they have an offensive line, who's going to be their running back? Because is it going to be Frank Gore? There is so much going on on that offense. I don't know what way to go with it, right? Yeah, and my advice to you for Chris Herndon is shoot for the moon. Nope, I'm just if not going to shoot at all. If you if you get Chris Herndon wrong, who gives? You know who cares? Like he's undrafted. He's not like. It doesn't matter if you get Chris Herndon wrong. It, whatever. I, I really didn't have a tight end, and I just put Chris Herndon. You have put Kelsey. Um, that would have been a better conversation. I okay, thought then. You were talking about Herndon, and I'm like waiting for the Kelsey spinoff. And then I'm like, wait, he's really talking about Herndon? The reason I don't want to do Kelsey is because the I just have a, a feeling in my gut that next year is going to be some – he's just going to have a bad year, right? He, he's he's – he literally had the best season a tight end has ever had, I'm pretty sure. And then two or three deep playoff runs, never missing a game, being on the field every snap, getting as many targets and hit. It just I don't want I don't want to be the guy that says he's gonna get hurt. So it's just Yeah. I'm leaving Kelsey. Alone. You're you're exactly I'm not drafting. Right. Look, I've seen yeah, I've seen articles where it says Kelsey is the 101 in redraft because of, you know, because of the advantage that he gives you at the position, which this year you could have got away with. But to project Travis Kelsey to have an equal to or better season than what he just had is is dumb. I, I don't think you can project that with Kelsey. I think you can say setting yes. yourself up for failure. Yeah, exactly. Like you want to take Kelsey middle of the second round because of, you know, because of consistency and you know he falls to you and you do get an advantage because he'll finish as a tight end one again like he always does but i don't know that it would be a hundred point gap between him and darren waller like it was this year like it will be back i yeah. you know I, i'm i'm a big believer in what tj hawkinson's gonna do next year so are you dra- am i drafting kelsey in the third round no i personally am not just because you're setting, yeah. You're either gonna, it's either gonna be a boomer bust pick taking a tight end that early. Yep. Yeah. But it really is. no, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think Kelsey's gonna be hard. I guess Chris Herndon's gonna be hard to project as well. I just got excited about Chris Herndon. I see why you're, why you're, uh, why you're gonna have a hard time projecting him. Am I creating the, the, the hype train for Chris Herndon all of a sudden by No, accident? this was created like two years ago, bro. Where have you been? Yeah, oh god, Chris I love I love Chris traded, Herndon before. I Adam traded Gates. Chris Herndon for Dawson Knox in a third round pick in the in the off season because somebody thought he was going to be the godsend at tight end. But oh, that's a pretty fair deal. I, I don't know. I I thought I won by a mile getting. Yeah, Dawson. you know what? Yeah, right. you did. You probably won with Knox in the third. Yeah, yeah. But it depends. Maybe Chris Herndon breaks out next year, and you're and maybe Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox. Yeah, you're stuck with Dawson Knox as a tight end 26, and Chris Herndon's a tight end four on the season. I also have Goddard, so I feel all right. Yeah, I don't blame you. All right. That's all I got this week. Uh, Well, today, we'll be back again for another episode. Hopefully, we can get Tyler on for another one this week. Um, We'll see you guys soon. Yeah, all right. See ya. Take care.